0: Well, the uh, story that uh, Deb read for us was a story about a road trip. Now, how many of you did a road trip in 2012? All right, some of you did. Uh, now, growing up in the Sumner household, one of the traditions that we had was a summer road trip and sometimes a winter road trip. We would crisscross the continent. We probably did it seven or eight times Growing up, and sometimes we would drive through Canada, and sometimes we would drive through the states. Now, how many of you have done that trip, cross kind of cross continent trip? Okay, for those of you who have, what is the least interesting part of that trip? The prairies. Okay, where? What else? Any other? Northern Ontario. Ontario. I I don't know. The Shield's a little bit interesting. The lake is nice, nice, says Pete. All right, for me. The least interesting part of the trip is South Dakota. There is nothing going on in South Dakota. With apologies if you're from that state, grew up there, or have relatives there. I can remember as a kid, though, driving through this area, and all of a sudden, my interest peaked up. Because what to my wondering eyes should appear but a billboard with a cowboy on it inviting us to stop at an upcoming town. And it used words like world famous to describe this place. And then there was another billboard that said that the place gave out free ice water and five-cent coffee. And then another sign said they had a T-Rex. This was really getting good now for me as a kid. And then another sign, the place was really something to crow about. So now, suddenly I was feeling quite differently about South Dakota on this trip. And we would press our little faces to the truck window to see what sign was coming up next. And what kind of magical place could this be with all of these signs uh, directing us to it. Now those of you who have driven this stretch of highway by now know that the place in question is Wall Drug Store. How many of you have been there? A few of you have been there. All right. so. It had very humble beginnings in 1931, and they decided to offer free ice water as a way to try and get motorists to turn off the highway in their Model A's and Model T's. And the marketing is still going strong because according to the New York Times, uh, Waldrug is a sprawling tourist attraction with an international renown that takes in now more than $10 million a year and more than 2 million annual visitors the middle of nowhere in South Dakota. But the, story, uh, the real story here, in my, for my money, is still the signage that wall drug has. There's over 550 miles of signs stretching all the way from Minnesota to Billings, Montana. Many people actually now have even taken to making their own signs to describe how far it is from where they are to wall drug. So for example, it's 9,333 miles from Antarctica to wall drug, and 6,964 miles from Afghanistan, apparently. And in the state of South Dakota itself, there's thousands and thousands of billboards dotting the whole landscape, all pointing to wall drug. There's so many signs, in fact, that by the time you reach it, you have this deep need to pull off of the highway and figure out what all of these signs are all about, even if you don't need ice water or coffee. You feel compelled to pull over into this sleepy little town and see what all the fuss is about. Why do people stop? Well, people stop because something or someone has told them to stop, invited them to, really. As human beings, we're wired up to take notice of things in our world when a compelling case has been made for us that the invitation is worth accepting. And this was certainly true on that first Christmas in a little out of the way hamlet of Bethlehem. Angels first appeared to lowly shepherds and announced in the most compelling heavenly billboard campaign ever imagined a choir of honest to goodness angels that there was something worth paying attention to. Someone worth paying attention to, born in that sleepy little part of the world. But it wasn't just the compelling delivery of the angel's message that invited the shepherds to take notice that night. It was also the content of their message. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, we're told that the angel's message to the shepherds was glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Any announcement by angels is big, but a declaration of peace into a situation like the shepherds lived in in the first century that was racked with conflict and strife must have seemed more unbelievable to their ears than a choir of angel actually was to their eyes. And they must have asked themselves, could this actually be true, this peace on earth business. But a closer look at the signage tells us that this wasn't the first, the last, or even the greatest announcement of peace in the big God story. God had declared his intentions in a birth announcement like no other because it was delivered hundreds of years in advance, thousands of miles from the actual event in the small town of Bethlehem. In the Old Testament, a prophet, Isaiah, puts up the first billboard and says, For to us, a child is born, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And as that first Christmas draws even closer, the signage becomes clearer and clearer and even more pronounced. When Jesus' first cousin, John, is born in Luke chapter 1, his father, Zachariah, makes an audacious statement of hope. He says in Luke 1, 78 and 79, because of God's tender mercy, the light of heaven is about to break upon us, referencing Jesus' birth, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. What do billboards do? Or in the language of the carols that we sang earlier, hark the herald angels sing. What does a herald do? Well, a herald guides your feet, or a billboard guides your car to places you want to go. Places that are pointed out to you. Places like Wall Drugstore. The challenge though is that places that we want to go are not always easy places to get to. Peace, as a destination, either in our interior worlds or in the world itself, is a vaporous, elusive quality to it. I mean, let's be honest with each other. Most of us have been rushing around for weeks leading up to tonight, baking and shopping and working extra hours, and still the challenge will confront uh, some of us, those some-assembly-required toys. And we'll have to wrestle things out of overpackaged hype and rescue ourselves from the pains of disappointment when maybe things don't work out exactly as we thought they would, and every request isn't quite fulfilled. Or we'll watch the news and whether it's the events of Friday, December 14th in Connecticut or chaos in our personal lives or trouble at school or tensions at work or at home, unrest globally, financially, all of these things seem designed to pull us away from the path of peace. And in the wake of so much tragedy in our world in 2012, the stanza of that carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, seems to give voice to some of those deeper questions. The carol says, In despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong. It mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to all. But it's precisely because of the state of the world and the state of our own lives that we need to again visit the manger and hear the promise of peace that was declared and pointed out to us and to the shepherds. Jesus made a promise to us in John chapter 14 verse 27. He said, "I'm going to give you a gift. It's a gift of peace, peace of mind and heart. This peace that I want to give you, the world can't give it. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. At Christmas, we learned that peace isn't so much found in a place as it is found in a person. Peace isn't the product of our circumstances when things finally quiet down. Peace is the presence of a relationship with God who has the most wonderful gift to give those who accept and receive it. And that gift is the gift of himself that he gave to us at Christmas. Born that night so long ago in Bethlehem to guide not only our world, but each of our feet into the paths of peace. God's promise to us is that he will be the source of, of our peace for those who are in relationship with him. And the Christmas bells declare this hope yet again. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to all. The temptation, though, for me, and I don't know if it exists for you, is to reduce peace to just a a passive pit stop every now and then or yearly during this season. And that video that we watched I think asks a good question for us to wrestle with. It says, we prop Christmas up for love and peace and we tear it down in January and we get back to work. We can't live that way a year after all. Or can we? What would it look like through the year to be active heralds or instruments of peace. I love the Advent a tradition in some homes in France where children prepare a little manger in the days leading up to Christmas. For each prayer or each act of kindness that they perform, they are given a piece of straw to place in the manger. And with each token of straw, the children are creating both literally a place for Christ to be born and rest, but also uh, physically and figuratively preparing their hearts with acts of kindness and prayerful devotion. In a season of busyness and tension, I think small acts of peace that we choose to do are like those little pieces of straw. They prepare our hearts, they prepare our homes, they prepare the places around us to be places of peace where we can receive the Prince of Peace. Because sometimes we think of peace as just a distant place, out there somewhere, that would take some kind of insurmountable effort to obtain, let alone sustain. But what if each of us daily allowed our feet, to be pointed to places where peace could be found, to become instruments of peace. We could choose things like not to speak that harsh word when our brother or sister or family member wrongs us. We could choose to give generously of our time or our resources to organizations who stand against oppression and violence or stand with the poor. We could do things like doing the dishes when it's not our turn. Maybe stand up to those who bully or belittle others. Take the initiative to make peace in a broken relationship this season. When we do things like that, we become partners in peace with God in his desire for peace on earth and goodwill to all. It's not always perfect. But it's a step onto the path of peace, which is always a step in the right direction. In his recently uh, released movie, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, the character Gandalf is told that peace can only come by big things and big influential people. And I think his response is helpful and instructive for us. He says this, Sauruman believes that it is only great power that can hold evil in check, but that is not what I have found. I have found that it is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love and peace. Small, everyday words and deeds of folks like you, And me is what brings peace, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. Each of us can choose to work hard at small but meaningful acts of peace in our world and in our relationships, in our schools, in our homes, in our places where we find ourselves. Not just today, not just for this week, but stretching through the course of 2013 and beyond in the new year. What a difference it might make. If in 2013, we actually, each one of us, made a commitment to allow ourselves to become, in big and small ways, instruments of peace. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we ask that you would make us instruments of your peace in a world that is as cruel and unjust as it was at the time of your birth in a stable, we desire something better. And in desiring it, God, we come to believe that it's possible and we await its coming with hope and with anticipation in your Spirit's work in our lives and the world will bring that peace to be. In the name of Jesus, we would invite it to be so. Amen.